The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hey, hey, welcome to the Monday show, everybody. I hope Sunday Night Football went well for you. When we are done talking injuries with Dr. David Chow, we will have Will Brinson and Chris Towers on. We will react to a very nice performance from the Rams. Also talk about some quarterbacks that are kind of unreliable right now. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. What do you do with these guys? Are they better or worse than Ryan Tannehill? Yes, we're asking that question. Ryan Tannehill going forward. But we welcome you to the Fantasy Football Today Road Tour presented by Little Caesars. Pizza for dinner tonight. How about ordering your favorite online from Little Caesars and using Pizza Portal Pickup? It's the latest, greatest, and hottest way to pick up a pizza without even going to the register. Dr. David Chow, wow. Must have been a busy weekend for you. A lot of injuries, man. That was a, that was a rough one. Yeah, there were, there were a number of them. And there were so many of them that, uh, heck, even beat reporters uh, weren't keeping it straight. At one point, uh, Calvin Ridley was on the cart. Beat reporters were saying it was a tactic in the on the cart because they were both hurt at the same time. You know, that was one that really snuck up on me. I didn't even see the Calvin Ridley injury, and, and he's out for the season, huh? Well, yeah, I even went back and looked at Game Pass and uh, didn't really see what particularly happened. I don't know if it was uh, off-camera from uh, video. I don't know what it was. don't know if it's an abdominal injury as in muscle injury or some internal organ injury. I don't know, but uh, apparently he's saying he's done for the season, and and as you know, Adam, we see that at this point of the year, especially if your team is out of it. Not that you're quitting, but it's like you're not 100%, you know, just uh, retool for next season. That that starts to happen. You'll see a higher percentage of people go on injured reserve. Normally, you need a minimum six-week absence to go on injured reserve. But at this point of the season, there's only three weeks left, so uh, things are more common. So some of the injuries I want to touch on with you today, Dr. Chow, and by the way, you should go to ProFootballDoc. This is a great week to do it. ProFootballDoc.com and at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. Uh, please follow Dr. Chow and get some great information. But I want to ask you about Jameis Winston and Patrick Mahomes and their hand injuries. See what you think about Derek Henry, who you know got a little bit of a leg injury in the second half. Uh, maybe Josh Jacobs, DJ Chark, week to week, Mike Evans, and uh, definitely Odell Beckham. But let, let me ask you about these two quarterbacks. Jameis Winston has a, a fracture in his hand, and Patrick Mahomes also dealing with a hand injury. Do you think they're going to play this week? They seem certainly optimistic, particularly on Mahomes, but what can we expect from Winston and Mahomes? Yeah, actually, and we could even throw Sam Darnold to the mix. He got his right hand stepped on and uh, finished the game. Darnold will be fine. Patrick Mahomes uh, will be fine. X-rays are negative. And the good news is that was the ulnar or pinky hand side, and that's less important for grip and spinning and throwing a football. Jameis Winston, there is some concern. He's getting a second opinion, some sort of chip fracture. 
that involves his hand, but it's been said to be his thumb, and that's very important to be able to grip and throw. I'm not suggesting he has a Drew Brees-type ulnar ligament injury where he's going to need surgery, at least not yet. have not seen that on video or any reports of that. But anytime it is the thumb, it's something to be a little more concerned about. So the only one on watch right now is perhaps Jameis Winston. Is Derrick Henry on any watch? I know they took him out of the game for precautionary reasons, and they have a huge game coming up against Houston. Should we be concerned about Derrick Henry? Well, you know, Derrick Henry has been toying with that hamstring issue for a while, and he was in and out a little bit. And uh, he says he's going he's gonna to go. Uh, at least he... Uh, uh, finished the game he played the second half so uh, I think they'll be careful with him the Titans are obviously on a roll all of a sudden the Titans have gone from what uh, being borderline to potentially challenging for the division crown in hosting yeah I know they've got the Texans twice in the next three weeks that division is extremely fun right now Um, and you know what? why don't I stay in that division and talk about T.Y. Hilton and, uh, you know, he's been out. They have not been seeming very optimistic. We don't know if he's going to play at all this season. What's T.Y. Hilton dealing with? A, a calf injury. Earlier this season, he had a quad muscle injury, missed time. Those calf injuries, they linger. and Calf's very important for a wide receiver to get off the ball, cut, jump. And uh, he did his best. He tried to come back early. I thought it was too early, but he tried to come back for that Thursday game against the Texans because at the time, that was for the division. He came back and I think uh, was quite limited, three catches for 18 yards, when he normally does very well, and then has been out again since. And uh, at this point, especially with potentially fading Colts' hopes, uh, uh, they may be retooling for next year uh, with T.Y. Hilton. So do you think that it seems less likely, less than 50% chance maybe to play this week for T.Y. Hilton? I ask because... Zach Pascal and even Marcus Johnson have really stepped up, and I like Pascal a lot as a as a recommended pickup on the waiver wire. Um, but I need T. Y. Hilton to be out <laughs> to really recommend him. I think we all do. So, do you think T. Y. Hilton, if we were going to sit here on a Monday afternoon, I- expect him to miss this week's game? Uh, if sitting here on Monday, that would be the thought. But uh, pay attention, obviously, to Paris Campbell back from his hand fracture. Okay, uh, DJ Chark. So apparently week to week, so your thoughts on his, is it an ankle for DJ Chark? It's a high ankle sprain for DJ Chark. And uh, as far as week to week, you know, there's three weeks left in the season. So week <laughs> to week to week means season. So, you know, uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, Jacksonville isn't going anywhere. So uh, he's obviously been a breakout star. This is a case where, if the team was going somewhere, you know, maybe you play an 85% chart, but with the team not going anywhere, maybe we just tool. So we'll have to see, but I'm not very uh, optimistic that he'll return in the next, uh, certainly not this week at least. What have you been making of this whole Odell Beckham situation and even Baker Mayfield coming out and saying that the Browns team maybe didn't handle his injury properly and he could have had preseason surgery and missed a couple of games What's your take on Odell Beckham right now? There was a report that he had a sports hernia. What are you thinking? Well, I do think he has a sports hernia. It was listed as a hip and groin, and he's been lingering, and he's been less than himself. Many players can play through sports hernia, perhaps not at full uh, tilt, full go. Jadavian Clowney is doing it. Uh, Deshaun Jackson tried to play through and rest and rehab and couldn't do it and is out on injury reserve 
uh, with surgery. So it, I do believe the report that it is a sports hernia. But as far as Baker's comments, look, uh, Baker's interesting, right? He shoots yes. from the hip a little bit. He did come back and uh, recant a little bit and apologize and said he didn't know the details. Uh, I actually, you know, I'm a medical professional and I think, you know, I've never had the situation where a player came out and spoke up against me. I would certainly hope they would come talk to me about it as opposed to uh, going on blast, but especially when you don't know the entire story and the medical staff can't ever say anything because of HIPAA. But I actually uh, didn't take as big of, I thought it was a little silly for him to do, do that. But I took it as, number one, it was overall frustration at the situation rather than pointing a finger at a certain part of the team. And I do give him credit for this. He did use the words, our medical, our training room, right? He didn't say those guys in the training room didn't do the right thing. He did use team words and say, you know, uh, maybe there were some other things if they didn't work out the way that we wanted it to type of language. So it wasn't horrible, but it certainly was out of his lane. And I think he realized that. And uh, that's the, uh, the recant. But when it first came out, I, I tweeted and said, well, who is he really criticizing here? Is he criticizing the doctor, the trainer, or perhaps is he even criticizing uh, the player himself? Because the only person that can decide to not have or not have surgery is the patient or player himself. And in this era of lots of second opinions and agents getting involved and, and people taking charge of their own medical health, uh, the team doctors couldn't have stopped him from having surgery if he wanted to have it. So uh, uh, it's interesting. But you bring up an interesting point as we talk about here. There have been a half dozen or more examples even in the last month or so of issues between players and their team and perhaps medical staff. I mean, Trent Williams, yeah. you know, that's a big one. Uh, Kalechi Osemele with the Jets, Luke Falk with the grievance against the Jets. The Eagles and their fan base are always up in arms about the Eagles medical staff for some reason. <laughs> the Colts, you know, you could go back to uh, to Andrew Luck and whatever, however that was handled. But also, uh, you know, Frank Reich said something about Eric Ebron and perhaps what did or didn't need to go on with his ankle. So there's lots of areas of controversy, and I think it's becoming more common to air those out. Did you have to deal with player agents a lot? I mean, was that was that something that was starting to happen more toward the end of your tenure with the Chargers? Oh, no question. I I stayed away from agents. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to, <laughs> and kicking and screaming, I got involved with some. I've got a much better relationship with them now, and perhaps a much better understanding uh, about what their their roles are. And, and I think it's always better to uh, uh, have, uh, you know. If the team asked me to deal with an agent, I would. But if they didn't, I'd just let it go. I probably would take a more proactive approach. I don't think agents are evil. They're well-meaning, sometimes misguided because they don't understand the situation. But who can blame them if they're not let in on what the situation is? So I always like the teamwork approach of uh, involving people. But, you know, here's the one thing that I've always said time and again. If you think a doctor did the wrong thing or an athletic trainer did the wrong thing or the team made a silly move from the outside. You think that's the case. You just don't know the real story from the inside. No one goes into a decision knowingly making the wrong one. At the time, the factors that were presented to a person inside the building, this is what they thought was the right decision. Now, coming back to second guess, of course, is a different story, but 
unless you know all the factors that go into a decision, it's hard to say that that you would you yourself wouldn't have made the uh, the same right decision. I can talk about this one instance. There was a time that I got criticized locally in San Diego for not having done surgery on Sean Merriman, and I can talk about it because Merriman came on my podcast, and we're still very friendly to this day, and he talked about this. But what it was is I said it was a bad injury and he should have surgery. He went to get a second opinion from another doctor, and they said maybe you can go without surgery. And he was 24 years old at the time and wanted it to be, you know, to just tough it out. And then when he ended up needing surgery, I'm the one that got criticized, but why didn't you do it sooner? (laughs) But I couldn't say anything at the time. So uh, from the inside, the story is always different than what it looks like from the outside. That's all I can say. Yeah, very, very interesting. Well, I want to let you uh, get out of here, but let me just fire out a a few different players and tell me who do you think has a chance to play this week? Josh Jacobs sat with the shoulder injury. Uh, I'm going to leave the concussion guys out of this too. Uh, So Josh Jacobs... Uh James Connor, Juju Smith Schuster, Darius Geis, and Mark Andrews. Is that too many names for you? I'll do them in order from okay. likely to unlikely. Okay. Uh, Andrews, Connor, uh, Jacobs, and. I had Juju and Geis on there. And then Geis. <laughs> okay, so you don't think Geis is going to play? Not this week. Okay. All right, Dr. Chad. I don't think his season is necessarily done, but I don't think he's playing this week. Well, I'm sure you're, you've got a lot more radio hits to do and a lot more uh, articles to write and podcasts to record. Thank you for coming on, Dr. Chow. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's Dr. David Chow. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. Go to the website, ProFootballDoc.com. And when we come back from this quick break, it's Will and Chris, and we got a lot of hot topics to get to. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, from injuries to some fantasy analysis here, some starts and some sits, as we have just two weeks left in the fantasy football season, unless you're a weirdo and you play in a week 17. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Adam Azer now joined by Will Brinson and Chris Towers. Chris, how's uh, week 14 treating you? Uh, you know, I I missed the playoffs in most of my league, so it was actually a lovely <laughs> week 14 for me. Nice it was really nice to not have to sweat it out. Yeah. I was, you know. Nice and casual. Some football. It was real great. What was your problem? Because my problem was quarterback. I I was bad at quarterback in basically nine out of ten leagues. Um, I probably went zero RB in too many different leagues, and that just didn't work this year. Uh, wide receiver, we've talked about it. 
multiple times on the Monday episode of the podcast, and and you guys have talked about it otherwise, but it just it has not been a great position. I had a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster. I had a lot of Odell Beckham. And uh, I actually made the playoffs in one league where I had Odell Beckham and Juju Smith-Schuster. So that's not even a really good argument. <laughs> uh, but you could maybe you could have been in first place if those guys had been good. And now we bring in the next member of our team. Oh, you weren't... <laughs> What's up, Will? I thought it was going to go right to the chorus. But it did it. Anyway, I like. I, how much time do you spend on a, on a given morning picking out theme music for me? Like it'd be better minutes? if I spent more time. No, more like twelve seconds. I don't know why this song just popped in my head. But question for you, Will. Do you really want to hurt me? Will, <laughs> welcome to the show. Um, yeah, that would. That's a. That's an apt description for my feelings as I approach Monday Night Football, knowing that I need. Um, I, be, I mean, I didn't make the playoffs in me and my leagues either. Cause I'm, I'm a zero RB guy too. Like, I, I think my biggest problem this year was like, I was all in on Dalvin cook and I wanted all the Dalvin cook I could get. But I think like 90% of the leagues I was in, uh, that were, that were dr- snake drafts. I was in the five to nine range in terms of my pick and the five to nine range just killed you this year because you probably took Deandre Hopkins or Juju Smith Schuster or Devonte Adams. And then on the wrap you were getting, I I mean, like you just, you know, you just ended up in a, in a spot where you didn't get Michael Thomas. You didn't get Mike Evans. You didn't get Dalvin cook. You didn't get Nick Chubb. You know what I mean? Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Oh yeah. A lot of credibility right now on this podcast. I'd have to say, uh, well, I do. Well, I need, (laughs) so I need, uh, 23 points from Saquon Barkley to advance in the playoffs in two leagues. I'm going to say it's not going to happen. Really? Yeah. I'm going to say it's not going to happen. The guy can't run. He's facing like one of the best run defenses in football. So. Also, I would like um, the two things that I would like to, I mentioned the Dalvin Cook stuff. Yeah, I'm taking a stance next year. I'm all about value and all that, and I get it. But next year, if I'm all in on a guy like that, and I have the seventh pick, I'm not taking the best wide receiver. I'm just going to take Dalvin Cook at seven. Right, and you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Unless you're all in on Juju Smith-Schuster or Devontae Adams. I also did that, yeah. For sure. Like, well, I mean, well, but that's the that's the thing with that. Like, it's easy to look at it and say, well, I should have just drafted Dalvin Cook everywhere. But, like, I know Jamie had Devontae Adams as his number one overall, overall wide receiver. If he had done that with him, like, that wouldn't have worked out. So, it, you know, there's – you got to get your guys, but value still matters. Well, no, I know. Of course it does. And, look, I had one league where – uh, Chip Patterson's in there with me. It's a local league, and he snaked Dalvin Cook one pick before he came back to me in the second round. You know, and, and granted, I went Juju in the first round, but I go Juju Tyree Kill, and that's a that team's dead out of the you know out of the gates by week two. Whereas if I get Dalvin, maybe it survives. My my point is just that I'm not going to like give up on the value, but I'm going to take the guy I want to take. And then I think you know one of the other things too is sometimes we get a little infatuated with upside. We're like oh look at like Juju's going to mm-hmm. have 350 targets. Well, Michael Thomas. <laughs> it's just productive. We all slept on Michael Thomas. Is there anybody who didn't sleep on Michael Thomas out there? No, I, I actually think that Michael Thomas is a big surprise. Because if you look at what he had been the last two or three seasons, I mean, he was consistently around wide receiver like six to eight. And he's a low yards per catch guy. And he's typically a low touchdown guy. And I didn't really think he could replicate his catch rate. So he can, obviously. That's where I was wrong. Um, and the, you know, the touchdowns are fine. It's also been a really bad year for wide receivers, but even so he's having an historic season. I don't, he leads leads the league in catches yards and 
Yeah. He was catching yeah. 82 no, he, he, he's okay. I don't he feel... I, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I made a mistake with Michael Thomas. I think he had a, he's had a better year than I ever could have imagined, and I'm fine with that. You know, I feel like... Um, I've made some mistakes, but Michael Thomas is not one of the. Some you cannot just always look back at, and see what has happened now and say we were wrong. Just sometimes there, things happen. There was no, there was no discussion that Michael Thomas. I, I don't. I never heard one person suggest that Michael Thomas could be the wide receiver one. And I, I agree. think that's a mistake. No, I agree with that. I'll let Chris get in after that. I, I think, I think we were right to think that based on his, uh, his low touchdowns, his what seemed to be. A, a very high catch rate that he wouldn't be able to repeat, which we were wrong about. And uh, just based on the fact that Hopkins and Julio see, and Devontae Adams, they had, I think they had better cases. So Ad, uh, so Thomas felt like the safest or maybe one of the safest wide receivers. He did not really feel like a super high upside guy because he's like 12 yards per catch, which is not really what you're used to, used to seeing for the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. There are definitely things that we missed. Um, but I, I, Michael Thomas, like everybody agreed that Michael Thomas was awesome. Now he's already, you know, he he's pretty close to outscoring last season. He still has three games left. So, you know, nobody saw necessarily this type of season coming from him. But I think once you're in that like top six range at running back or wide receiver, if you finish number one overall, I'm not really surprised. You know, I mean, like, it's not like he was going super late. I mean, he was going, you know, top 15 pick. Yeah, yeah, but like people were taking Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins ahead of him. And I, all I'm saying Less is that bad. I think that I'm not I'm not suggesting that maybe I was wrong about him. I mean, everybody thought he would have a nice floor, which is what you're saying. But like he I mean, he had 140 plus targets average over the last two That's years. That's not that he much. That's What's not that? that. That's not that much for the number one wide receiver. I would expect the number one wide receiver to have more like one sixty to one seventy. I think. Well, he's going to have one sixty. Well, but that's what I didn't see. He is going to set a record. He is going to have more targets than any wide receiver has ever had with Drew Brees, right? And and Drew Brees, like Thomas, has been around one hundred and fifty, right? Each of the last two years, I think. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Yeah. That forty nine and one forty seven. Right. That is the most that Drew Brees has ever in his in the Saints era that Drew Brees has ever had with I, a wide receiver. So I didn't I, think I he'd go over. I don't disagree with that, but here's my argument is that I, and look, I got talked into by Heath Cummings to drafting Juju Smith-Schuster with my with a first round pick because Heath's argument was compelling that with the absence of Antonio Brown, with Ben Roethlisberger having a ton of targets and the target share going up, that Juju could be the number one wide receiver. All, all I'm saying is that no one attempted to make the argument for Michael Thomas, and I think that mm -hmm. that's an oversight. Not not by like CBS's fantasy crew, by everybody. Sure. No one attempted. I never heard anybody attempt to make this in the NFL, and it's clear that he's one of the best wide receivers in football. That was clear last year. I just I just I think that's something. I think I think when you do this process, when you try to improve on how you project and how you predict who's going to do well, that's something you need to look back and say, well, how do we miss on this? Why do we miss on this? And you know, why like why didn't I start every league with Dalvin Cook, Michael Thomas? Because that was possible. <laughs> okay, so yeah, good 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 impromptu discussion there about uh, what went wrong. But it's, look, it's not like we all of our teams are out. We still have a lot to play for here. We still have a lot to waiver wire here. And uh, I want to know that's our first topic. We got five topics today. Uh, who is your favorite waiver wire player other than DeAndre Washington? What's going on with three struggling quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson? And how much do you trust them? Got some questions from the audience about Alvin Kamara. 
uh, question about what was the other one? Uh, Ryan Tannehill is he a bona fide must start quarterback? And I want to talk about the Rams offense again. They always play on prime time, so we talk about them a lot. But the Rams offense looked about as good yesterday as we've seen them all year, as they put up 28 points on Seattle. Chris, who's your favorite waiver wire player this week? If it's not DeAndre Washington, DeAndre Washington isn't my top waiver wire target. I write the early waiver column on Sunday nights for CBS Fantasy and. Uh, the lead for that story was Raheem Mostert, who proved that last week both the usage and the skill set that he showed were not a fluke. Now, I don't think there was much question that the skill set uh, is there. He's been productive whenever he's had the opportunity, and obviously Kyle Shanahan's offense is outstanding for running backs. They they, they were second in the NFL in rushing yards coming into last night. Uh, and he's still only 53% rostered in CBS Fantasy Leagues, or 56%. So he's still out there in quite a few leagues. And the fact that Tevin Coleman was basically a non-factor, he's played 21 snaps over the last two weeks. Matt Breida wasn't someone who came back and immediately took on a huge work. You know, if Raheem Mostert's going to get 60 to 65% of the running back touches for the 49ers, I think he's going to be a must-start guy moving forward. Will, who's your favorite waiver wire target if it's not DeAndre Washington? Yeah, I mean, Washington? look, I would go Mostert over DeAndre Washington. I would caution that, I mean, and they got a good matchup against Atlanta. They should be able to run the ball well. Uh, Falcons just lost Calvin Ridley for the season. Um, I, who's the guy who caught the 90-yard touchdown pass for the Falcons? Something with a Z. Uh, the guy with a really long name. Yeah, yeah. His, well, his first catch of his career, right? Yeah. I know. Yes, first catch uh, of his career, but did see, like, 30-something percent of the snaps yesterday. Russell Gage actually only played about 50%. He's been the the main guy besides Ridley and Julio Jones. I think Russell, I, Russell Gage is a nice pickup. If you can, Olamide Zacchaeus. Yes, Olamide Zacchaeus. Thank you. Um, I was too no, lazy there is no Twitter. way that that is how you pronounce that. <laughs> That's his, just his last name. Like the Olamide, I think you got. the Z, 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 Olamide Z. But... Uh, so that can't be your number one waiver pri- wire priority. No, no, though. no. I was just, I was just making a mm-hmm. joke. But, um, I, don't, I was just gonna say about Mostert. The one thing I would be a little hesitant on. And look, I dropped him in a deeper league, and it's murdering me. And it, I share the team with somebody else. And he won't stop texting me about <laughs> Mostert uh, all day yesterday. He's like, Mostert's going nuts. Mostert's going. I was like, shut up. I picked up AJ Brown. Leave me alone. Um, the uh, AJ Brown, if he is for some reason out there, he shouldn't be right. Would he? Would he qualify? I don't know what his ownership is. I think he's probably available. Yeah. Okay, AJ Brown's the guy. He is the guy. Yeah, but this but guy Will, is in. Here's the yeah. problem, right? Like, let me give you his yard. He's 53% owned. He's got Houston coming up. Uh, here is yards in his last seven games 64, 11, 81, 17, 135, 45, 153. He's, you know, the pattern. He's going to have a bad game now. And it's, it's more the targets. <laughs> yeah. uh, he hasn't had more than seven targets in a game since week seven. Uh, only one of his last four games, but I, I do agree that he is the guy in like the sense that when I watch him play, it's like, he is a man. Oh, wow. How did this guy fall at all? You, you, you know, you know, my, you know, my theory, right, Chris? What's that? My theory is that no one, everyone thought AJ Brown was a slot receiver because he was standing next to DK Metcalf. <laughs> but, now that now that they see it, they're like, oh my God, this guy is enormous. I just think here, uh, I thought this was really interesting, and I'm writing about Ryan Tannehill and the, the Titans right now for my CBSSports.com column. But the uh, the Titans 
as noted by Pat Thorman of Establish a Run, are have increased their tempo. They have moved from uh, 27th in seconds per snap pace to 12th, and they have tripled their no huddle rate up wow. from 7% to 23%. So they're running a bunch more plays. They're moving a lot faster. Tannehill clearly trusts Brown as his deep threat. He's not going to be a possession guy. I mean, he he does have bust potential for you, but his boom is big, big boom. And he's a physical receiver. You, you can throw to him in the red zone if you need to. They're probably not going to because they use Derrick Henry so much down in that space. Um, Henry's a little banged up. I think they'll lean on Tannehill. This game against Houston, they have two games against Houston left. One is obviously week 17, so that may not matter for fantasy purposes. But these matchups against Houston and then in New Orleans in week 16, I mean, these are these are not necessarily like great matchups. But they are high-volume matchups. Like, the Titans are going to have to score points to play with Houston and to play with New Orleans, in my opinion. So I think Brown is a guy with his ceiling that you want to be able to plug into your lineup. And you you have to know the risk that's going to come with it. Maybe you're replacing Calvin Ridley. That's actually a perfect replacement because that's what Calvin Ridley does, too. I mean, he's either boom or bust. He feels like he hadn't been, you know, he hadn't been a consistent guy, you know, his entire career because Matt Ryan likes to spread it around and all that. Um, so I think Brown is a very nice replacement there. I would make him – I would much rather have him – even than Mostert, I think, depending on your running back wide receiver situation. Ooh, well, I there. I'll give you two wide receivers I like a little bit better. They're both more owned than uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown's fifty three percent owned. These guys are sixty two percent owned. Zach Pascal, he has had nineteen targets in his last two games, and I I anticipate they're going to have to throw a little bit at the Saints and D.D. Westbrook because D.J. Chark is now week to week. D.D. Westbrook is sixty two percent owned, and he will be at Oakland this week. Uh, so I, and DeAndre Washington for the record, 4% owned. I just figured he was our favorite. He had 14 carries and six catches. So I don't know that Josh Jacobs is not going to play next week. That's why Washington's risky, but he's 4% owned. Then he had a big game with 96 total yards and a touchdown against Tennessee. And he faces the Jaguars. And obviously we know the Jaguars run defense is just putrid. Their team is just putrid. So uh, you know, I'm looking at that Jacksonville Oakland game for some good waiver wire options there, but we've given some good names. I actually think all the injuries, I mean, so many injuries are really going to open up the waiver wire. They're going to be a lot of, who, wait, who is the other wide receiver you named Pascal and who else? DD Westbrook. Cause I'm assuming DJ Chark is out this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just say that one thing just to counter that with the AJ Brown stuff, AJ Brown is going to be a viable starter in your fantasy league, regardless of Injury. I don't know, man. He's had he said he gets five targets, five six targets most weeks, and he's so boomer bust that it's like yeah, but like I yeah, don't but agree. Like, you can't no you can't start DeAndre Washington if Josh Jacobs plays. He's unstartable. I agree, and and I'm not starting Pascal if T. Y. Hilton plays, but I don't expect, exactly. I don't expect T. Y. Hilton want to start D. D. Westbrook if D. J. Chark plays. My my point but is I don't just expect that, them. I don't expect them to play. I, I know, but I'm saying that like you would be burnt if you use your top waiver claim on Zach Pascal if T. Y. Hilton plays. A.J. Brown will not burn you unless he scores zero points. I'd be more worried about that if there were 12 teams fighting for waivers, but there's only four. So if I use my top waiver claim on Pascal or Westbrook and Hilton or Chark end up playing, I assume there will be plenty of good options available. But, I mean, you make a good point. I just, I don't, I guess bottom line is I don't trust A.J. Brown. He's great in DFS, I think, in tournaments, but I don't trust A.J. Brown as much as you do, Will, because as Chris mentioned. I I like him more, like, looking ahead to next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let me talk about SeatGeek oh, oh, real sorry. quick. Yeah, oh, one more thing. Can yeah. I say one more thing? Yes, and then we'll talk about SeatGeek. Okay. Uh, I mean, against the Chargers, D.D. Westbrook had 4.2 yards per catch. Like, 
What do you, what do you, I mean, like, that's great that he had seven targets. Well, but like, what if this, what if this offense stinks? What the, if the Jaguars aren't good? The Chargers, yeah. the Chargers are one of the best against wide receivers. The Raiders are one of the worst. Take away DJ Chark and, and the fact that the Char, the Jaguars get blown out every game and they throw 40 passes pretty much every game. I think it sets up for Westbrook to do well. But I will. We'll have to fight about it. Now, Seeky, Chris, next concert you're going to, what's it going to be? It's probably going to be like tomorrow. Uh, no, I went to three last week, so I'm a little concert out. <laughs> Whoa, who'd you see? Oh, I saw The Hold Steady, Lucy Vegas, She and Him. It was a great week. Wow, She and Him, huh? Adam, can you name one of the members of She and Him? Oh, there's that girl and that guy. Yeah, I know them. Zoe, Zoe Deschanel, man. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd be into that band. All right, well, maybe I'll go find them on SeatGeek and buy some tickets and save 10 bucks with the promo code FFT. Listen, if it's concerts, if it's comedy, if it's theater, whatever it is, I tell you this like all the time, but I'm going to a basketball game next week. It's going to be wonderful. It's at 930 at night, and I'm going to get home at like 130 in the morning, so I'm going to be really bad on the show next Wednesday. Just keep that in mind. But uh, I'm going to be using SeatGeek to get there because every time I go to a game, I'm using SeatGeek. I've used it know, over 20 times at this point. It always gives you great prices because SeatGeek is just a better process. That's why it has over 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store. It pulls in tickets from all over the web, and it ranks them, gives them a score based on value. So you see the best value. You see the tickets that you should be buying. And if you, just don't, if you don't care so much about value, but you just want the cheapest seats or the most expensive seats, you high roller, you can sort by price as well. And SeatGeek just makes it so, so easy. Make sure you download the app and use the promo code FFT. FFT is the promo code. Save 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FFT. All right, our next two questions I'll sort of lump into one because my question is what to do, what to do with these struggling quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, he has more than 21 fantasy points in only two of his last seven games. Aaron Rodgers who I thought would be great against the Redskins. And he had, reading that article on, on ESPN.com, he had more time to throw against the Redskins than he's had all year, I believe. I hope I'm getting that right. But regardless, he had a ton of time, no pressure, and he, he really wasn't good. 12 fantasy points. And Russell Wilson, I mean, not talking about this enough. 20 or fewer fantasy points in six of his last seven games. He's been pretty bad for six of his last seven games. The other game, of course, he scored 49 points against the Bucks, so you know there's that potential. But there's those three, and then there's Ryan Tannehill. One of our Twitter followers, Unlucky Duck, asked, is Ryan Tannehill a bona fide must start? So I want to go to this Twitter poll I did, and I gave the matchups, and I said, who do you have the most faith in going forward? Mahomes, Denver, and at Chicago. Rodgers, Chicago, and at Minnesota. Wilson, at Carolina, and Arizona. Tannehill, Houston, and New Orleans. Who do you have the most faith in going forward? Chris, what would your answer be? Uh, it's got to be Mahomes. Um, I know he hurt his hand, and there's some concern about that, and that was affecting his uh, accuracy yesterday. He left some points on the board, especially on, on targets deep to Tyreek Hill. But I just – the thing that makes me struggle with saying Ryan Tannehill, because I think that's the, the answer that, that people want to say, uh, you know, four straight games, five straight games with multiple touchdowns. Actually, no. Seven straight games with multiple touchdowns. One of them is a rushing touchdown. He's been amazing. Um, he still only threw the ball 27 times yesterday, and that was the most he's thrown it since November 3rd. So that, I just, 
it's really hard for me to see how he can keep being a, a viable starting fantasy option if he doesn't throw the ball more. Now, maybe they will have to throw the ball more, but he just can't sustain this kind of efficiency. It's going to come back to earth eventually. And even if it comes back to earth and he's an eight yards per attempt guy and a 6% touchdown rate guy, that would be awesome. That would make him one of the most productive quarterbacks in the league on a per throw basis. But if he's only throwing the ball 27, 22, 28 times, I just, I can't buy into him continuing to play at this high of a level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right now, Based on his seven starts, Tannehill, his 16-game pace would be 4,226 yards, which is okay, but 34 touchdowns to nine interceptions. And that's, you know, you don't expect that from Ryan Tannehill. But I I do like what Will said about the pace of the offense. That was interesting. By the way, Ryan Tannehill did not win the poll. I will uh, reveal the results. And, Will, I want to talk about the matchups again because, really, you have to talk about that at this point of the season. It's Mahomes, Denver at home, and then at Chicago. Denver's been struggling against quarterbacks four straight weeks. Aaron Rodgers, Bears and Vikings. Wilson has Carolina on the road and then Arizona at home. Ryan Tannehill has Houston and New Orleans. What would your vote be? Who do you have the most faith in going forward? So I'm picking between Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, and Tannehill. Yeah. Because unlucky Duck says he has Drew Brees and Kyler on his bench. Okay, this is a separate question. Okay, okay. Just I'm just just checking because I would Breeze would be the clear cut number one of all those guys for me. I think in in this case. However, um, we need to see what's up with Patrick Mahomes' hand. The report is he's fine and it's going to be okay. Um, I mean that's 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 great. I would I would be a little a little worried. You know, I mean he I didn't think Patrick Mahomes looked good against the Patriots. I know that he probably ended up with like okay stats. Right. I mean, relative to what we hoped for against the New England Patriots defense. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Mean, he did. I mean, yeah, they, they, they I mean, 15 fantasy points against the Patriots pass defense. Not bad. Not at all. Uh, his next three games are tough. I mean, Denver at Chicago and, and, and the Chargers. I mean, look, if you want to take the completely, you know, objective Heath Cummings approach to this, the answer is Ryan Tannehill. What's the, your the answer? Over under for the Packers is 41. Why do you love Heath so much? No, you, you, we're, I'm not like Heath, and maybe Chris would do this, but I think Chris I'm has objective. a little. Yeah, but like, you're not going to start um, Jacoby Brissett over Patrick Mahomes because you have Jacoby Brissett projected for more points. No. Heath would. Yeah. Or at least he'd claim he would. <laughs> he would do what um, he says. Look, all I'm saying is if you look at the over under for the Bears Packers game, it's 41 and it's juiced to the under. They're expecting less than 30 points in that game. The Bears are tough, a tough defense, even with their linebackers banged up. I think the Packers will try and attack via the running game like they did with the Redskins. They want to try and run the ball. Aaron Rodgers has two good games this season, really, in terms of fantasy points, and, and that's kind of it. So mm, I don't know uh, what you can exactly expect from I'll him. I'll push back on um, that a little Denver. bit. He, he had, uh, he, he had uh, five good games this year, Rodgers. Okay, I mean, he had two like elite fantasy games. You're trying to win your league. I think you're not trying to. I think three, though, right? Yeah, the Giants, the Raiders, and the Chiefs. I want to say. Oh yeah, I was, oh yeah, that's right. Three. Sorry, I missed the Chiefs. I was we were doing the we were doing the math on the on his stats from the season earlier on the Pixel podcast. All right, podcast. so, so you still have you still have not given your answer, the other thing, Will. The other thing, I'm not done. I'm not Let's done. Let's go. No, you give your answer. Russell Wilson. Okay. Four times he's played in Charlotte against the Panthers in his career. He has over 20 fantasy points in one of those games. Whoa. The Panthers are the worst team against the run in football, not counting the Bengals. The Seahawks will run the ball 50 times against the Panthers and get out of there with a low-scoring win. I wouldn't want to trust Russell, Patrick Mahomes, or Aaron Rodgers. I think the answer is Ryan Tannehill. Wow. Okay. Well, here the Twitter results are pretty surprising. Now, 
Part of it, I think, is that Wilson does have a Week 16 game against Arizona, and they make everyone look good. So I get that. But he has 54% of the vote. Mahomes, actually Tannehill's second with 22%. Mahomes has 20%, and Rodgers has 4%. I I agree with that sentiment because Rodgers has not had a good game against a good pass defense yet. And the Bears... Good. We're two years in on Rodgers. He was 13th in fantasy points per game at quarterback last season in six-point-per-touchdown leagues. He's 11th this season. He was That's fifth good. in 2017. I don't even think, like, he was fifth in 2017, but he was at, like, 22, 23 fantasy points per game. So not even someone that I necessarily think you could say was an absolute must-start. Now, I think he might have left one of those games early with an injury, so that could be part of it. Oh, but yes, he did. The Minnesota game, yeah. It's been a couple of years now where Aaron Rodgers, and really, if you look at his, I think it's three out of the last five, where he really has not been a particularly great fantasy quarterback, we keep going into every season treating him as if he's still the Aaron Rodgers of old and treating his weapons as if they're still playing with the Aaron Rodgers of old. And maybe it's time that we we accept that like he's not as efficient as he used to be. He's, you know, last year he was 13th, but he was, that was the most pass attempts I think he's ever had. So it, he's a different guy. And maybe it's the scheme. Maybe it's the weapons. There's still these flashes where he makes these plays that very few people in the NFL can make, but like he hasn't been the same guy in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, I asked this question on the show yesterday and I don't think David or Heath saw the play, but did you guys happen to see the play? He threw a deep ball to Jimmy Graham and he, yeah. over, he overthrew now, my two thoughts were like, Jimmy Graham's really slow, but also that is the kind of play where Aaron Rodgers just makes a perfect pass over and over again. You you are so surprised to see him overthrow that ball. That's the throw that Aaron Rodgers makes that most quarterbacks don't, and he missed them by a you know a pretty considerable amount. So I look, he's the obvious last place on there. Um, yeah. I I think you know I think you're looking at the waiver wire. Well, certainly if you have Rodgers. Now, do you have the guts to start someone over Mahomes or Wilson? You know, in, in these matchups, Mahomes this week has Denver. Like I said, four straight quarterbacks have scored 20 or more points against Denver. That's C- Cousins, Josh Allen, Phillip Rivers, and Deshaun Watson. And Wilson's got... Uh, sorry, who's the matchup for, for Wilson? I mean, Watson did it in garbage time. Wilson is at, at Carolina. At Carolina, I mean, right. Matt Ryan just lit him up. That defense is really bad. They he, Russell could go nuts in that game. It wouldn't be surprising if they if that was sort of a get right game for them. The other thing I'd say about Rodgers too that's really frustrating is that his elite games were spaced out in such a perfect way that Aaron Rodgers' owners and people who drafted him could not get off of him and probably are not playing in the playoffs at this point because he had twenty eight in week four. 53 in week seven at that point you were too scared to get rid of and 32 the week after that and then 35 in week 13 like another than that you know i mean it's just it's just a lesson not to draft aaron Rodgers early (laughs) and uh for wilson i i i don't know what the hell is going on with russell wilson but tyler lockett not doing anything is obviously hurting him but he's throwing enough i mean this is seven games where he's been bad except one game bad for you know disappointing for fantasy, and in those seven games, he's faced some good teams. He's faced Baltimore, San Francisco, Minnesota, the Rams, the the resurgent Eagles, but uh, he's completing 62% of his passes for 7.5 yards per attempt. You're just not used to seeing that from Russell Wilson. In his his first six games, he completed 72.5% of his passes for nine yards per attempt. So 
down from 72.5 to 62%, and down from 9 yards per attempt to 7.5 yards per attempt. And I, I, that's the guy that nobody seems to be no, nobody seems to be talking about, worried about, or whatever. And he's letting you down almost every single week. I, I would I would say too that the last time in Russell Wilson's career where he threw uh, he had a, four, a, a game of four straight games with at least one interception, which he's on right now. That, hmm. that doesn't happen much for Russell Wilson. Was 2016, and it happened from well, look at that weeks 11 through week 14 and then in week 15 do you know what he did he went off didn't he 64 percent completions 350 yards four passing touchdowns zero interceptions against the arizona cardinals <laughs> granted it was at home um that would be my only concern here is that the panthers defense would is set up to allow him to throw off a play action to sort of you know it's one of those it could it could very well be a get right game and it is a good matchup so i would be a little concerned about benching him all right, Chris, let's get to our next question here. Before we do, I want to ask you if you have had Little Caesars and if you've ordered online, have you ordered a pizza online from Little Caesars yet? If not, you're missing out on Pizza Portal Pickup. And what is Pizza Portal Pickup? It's like getting a pizza right out of the oven yourself. You walk in, you enter a code on the portal, a door opens, and you're off with your favorite pizza. And whatever pizza you order, it'll have crazy, crazy amounts of toppings it's fun. Give it a try, but it's only available at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. Chris, this question comes from Jonathan. What do you do with Alvin Kamara? Start him or sit him if you have a better matchup with other guys next week? You start him. <laughs> Who are you going to sit him for? Like I, I understand that this has been an incredibly frustrating season if you have Alvin Kamara on your team. And week 14 especially. I mean, obviously a terrible matchup against San Francisco, but he only had 39 or 43 yards. That's really bad. 1.9 yards per carry. Especially when they scored 90 points. Like they combined yeah, for 90 it's, points. It's terrible. Carry. It was really bad. But before that, he was averaging 5.4 yards per carry in his previous three games. He w- he had 23 catches in his previous three games, including 19 targets between weeks 11 and 12. I just, like, he can't, he couldn't sustain the touchdown pace that he was on last year. He can't sustain this touchdown pace moving the opposite direction at 18 and 15 games last season the offense isn't appreciably worse and he has one two touchdowns sorry in 11 games now maybe he's not healthy maybe you know he, he did miss some time in the middle of the season with that ankle injury maybe he's not healthy except yeah. that he didn't look unhealthy right. between 11 and 13 yeah he's exactly, looked exactly. good like there was one where i think latavius murray had like a 23 yard touchdown last week there have been touchdowns available in this offense they just haven't gone to him and if uh, alvin Kamara had scored two touchdowns in the last four weeks. Nobody's thinking about sitting. Yeah, I know this is a bad game, but going into this game, you looked at his, his 16 game pace going into week 14 compared to his 16 game pace last year. When he played 15 games, he was actually on pace for more total yards, but he was on pace for four touchdowns compared to 18 last year. So going into this game, it was just, Hey, he's not scoring now coming out of this game, 13 carries for 25 yards, four catches for 18 yards, a really terrible game. Uh, is there anything else to it, Will, or you just start Alvin Kamara? I mean, this is look. He's having a he got he suffered he was having a great start of the year. He suffered an ankle injury. It's a lot like Saquon Barkley. I mean, except not as bad. In that the expectations were so high as a top three or four pick or whatever you took, probably top three pick, right? Um, that in comparison to Christian McCaffrey, and given the frustration of you know what Kamara's upside is, you don't you don't you start your studs. 
This is the playoffs. You have Alvin Kamara on your bench. He is capable of erupting for a 40-point game. He's actually, dude, Chris has pointed out the touchdown regression and how he wasn't going to sustain it from last year. That's true. He is, however, due for touchdown regression in a positive way this year. So don't bench Alvin Kamara and watch him score three times against the Colts. They did give up, I think, uh, 11 passes to running backs uh, uh, between Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, and Dare O. Oguna Bowale. Um, and so I would not want to be the guy who misses out on the Alvin Kamara week 15 explosion. You drafted him. You made the playoffs. You play him. You would have to have, I mean, what? who do you have to have on your bench yeah. to sit him? I was looking at the, like, you could, you could, Chris Carson, you could start over him. Um, well, that's a, that's a no brainer. You definitely start yeah, Chris but you're Carson. Not, but you're not like, like guys that we've added on. Waivers. I'm not starting DeAndre Washington. <laughs> I mean, he gets the start next right. week. Would I be shocked if DeAndre Washington, if Jake Jacobs is out of Washington, had a better game than Kamara? No, but ten times out of ten, I would start Kamara over him. Ten times out of yeah. ten. Yeah, you do not. You do not start DeAndre Washington, even if Josh Jacobs is out. Over... Would you start? Would you start Austin Eckler over Alvin Kamara? Eckler's got the Chargers at home, and uh, Eckler's on the Chargers. But... I'm sorry, the Vikings at home, and uh, Kamara's got the Colts. Um, no. yeah, probably you no. would. I wouldn't. I, I, there's almost nobody. If I were doing rankings, Camaro would be my top five, especially in PPR. Cause he had before this yeah. game, he had like eight or more catches in three straight games. I just, but I have total I faith th- in him. I, I mean, I, I still think like, I mean, you probably have a flex spot, right? I like, I, I need, I mean, I need, like, I think it's, I think it's something closer to like, would you start Philip Lindsay? No, I was going to go there. Cause he's got the chiefs and hell no, I would not no. start Philip Lindsay over him. No way. Right. Yeah, and I wouldn't start like Adrian Peterson because Geis is gonna probably be out. So you're starting him, and you know I wouldn't start Mostert over him. Okay, let's move on. Last question: Is the Rams' offense back? <laughs> Will they look good last night? What do you think? I was trying to remember. Did I talk good things about the Rams or bad things about the Rams last week? I don't know, but I just because I, they were coming off a game against the Cardinals, I don't. Going into this game, I did not think they were going to do well because I basically felt like Goff in particular. I didn't think Goff was going to do look, well. Look, there is a very, 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 very clear delineation for the Rams this year. They have scored at least 20 points in every single game except for three. That was week six against the San Francisco 49ers. That is the top defensive team by DVOA. Then they have week two, oh, excuse me, week 10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a top three team by DVOA, at least going into week 14. Uh, week 11, they scored 17 points in a win against the Bears, a top 10 DVOA defense. And then in week 12, they scored six points against the Baltimore Ravens. Surprise, surprise, a top 10 DVO, DVOA defense. Where's Seattle? Seattle sucks on defense. Yeah, Seattle's been bad defensively. And they have no yes. pass rush. And that was the thing. They have one of the worst pass rushes, yeah. one of the worst pressure rates in the NFL. And that we know that about Jared Goff. When he has time, he's very good, and when he doesn't, he's he's usually pretty bad. And he he only scored 19 fantasy points, but I think if you watch that game, the interceptions weren't necessarily his fault, and he really, for the most part, I thought looked outstanding. So, how much faith do you have in them, Chris? How much faith do you have in the in golf? Because like obviously, you're starting Gurley in, in most situations. Woods has three straight games with. Four maybe with ninety or more yards, and he finally caught a touchdown. He's getting all the targets. Cooper Cup is really not getting a lot of targets, so it comes down to golf and Cup, I think. And how much faith do you have in them at Dallas and then at San Francisco, Chris? I'm starting Cup. 
Uh, he's yeah. still getting red zone looks. He's still, I mean, the targets have been disappointing. Only one game with more than six in his last five since the bye week. Robert Woods has been dominating. But, you know, that game against Dallas, that has the potential to be, you know, this week's version of San Francisco versus New Orleans. This is a uh, bonanza, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it could be a bonanza. Adam, don't say anything. But Dallas has been one of the most aggressive passing teams in the NFL. You look at the air yards leaderboards and Dak Prescott's right near the top. He's been putting up huge numbers every game, taking risks down the field. Uh, if there was a game that Los Angeles needed to go back and forth and throw the ball a lot, and, and this is one that I think it could be it. And, and so, yeah, I'm still starting Cooper Cup. Goff, you know, you throw him in that discussion with Rodgers and, and Tannehill and, and all those guys, you know, he might be second or third on that list for me this week. Oh, I was going to I was going to mention him. I looked him up. He's 83% owned in CBS leagues. If he's on the waiver wire and you have a quarterback situation, he's number one on that whole list easily. I, I mean, don't by know, far. Man. I think you guys Cowboys- are overstating it a little bit because what? I, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're too high on golf to be honest, because he, you look at his game log and when he has had good games, it has been almost exclusively against some of the worst pass defenses. Like he has four games this year with more than 21 fantasy points and they are against the Bucks, the Falcons, the Bengals and the Cardinals. Four of the are, very are worst. You, are you, do you, are you aware that the Cowboys are a terrible pass defense? Well, they're 13th against quarterbacks and depends. Are they going to have Jeff Heath back? Cause they're not a terrible pass. What do you, defense. What do you, what do you mean? They're 13th in fantasy points. Yes. Or like, Fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Well, I mean, they, they play in the NFC East and they played the Dolphins. And look at their year. home versus road. Look at their home versus road. They're much better at home. Almost every passing touchdown they've given up this year has been on the road. I think the only one, I, I don't know. I think maybe the only passing touchdown. No, I'm sorry. Only wide receiver. Only wide receiver touchdown this year has been Cole Beasley uh, at, in Dallas. Something, I think. Um, I could be wrong about that. But Wait, I, you think the only wide receiver touchdown has been Cole Beasley? In Dallas, for yes, against that's, the Cowboys. I mean, oh, well, that's because sure. Aaron Jones caught all the touchdown passes against the. I don't think any road yeah, like, wide receivers caught a touchdown except for Cole Beasley. I think John Brown threw one, and that's. They it. played the Giants, the Dolphins, the Packers, the Eagles, the Vikings. There's enough good players there. Okay, there's enough the, good wide the receivers Vikings there. Right. That is the biggest cherry picking Adam Azer stat I've ever no, heard. I in mean, my look, it, it. I I just think they're a better team at home, and I don't think they're. I mean, they're. I don't think they're that good of a matchup. I mean, maybe they are because we'll see if Jeff Heath is playing, and I'm sure Van Der Esch just affects the defense in general, and he's probably not going to play. But I, look, I, I don't think I think Goff's but, had but a like, crap. Like, Goff has had a bad year. Goff has had a bad year. Like this is he hasn't had he hasn't had an MVP caliber year. He's, he's had no. He's had, he's, he's had a just, bad year. He's been you, crap. You can't say like the only wide receiver touchdown that's been scored. I mean, th- there was a there was a uh, three passing touchdowns. Who cares? Was, fine. I mean, like, fine. Fine. Strike it from the record. I just thought it was an Kirk, interesting I mean, I'm just saying Kirk Cousins threw three passing touchdowns to Kyle Rudolph and Dalvin Cook, and like Aaron Rodgers lit it up with Aaron Jones. You can light up the Cowboys. Golf, you, if you start Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, or any of those other names we talked about over Jared Goff, you're making a huge mistake. If you can get Jared Goff, get him and start him. He scored 19 points last night. You know that, right? Like, he was probably wasn't even top 12. Let's see you where know. he finished. There were five quarter, six quarterbacks scored thirty points, and we're going crazy over a guy who scored nineteen. He was like outside. Fine, 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 fine. You want to pick up Drew Locke and start him over Jared Goff? Have fun. He was fourteenth going into Monday night, so he'll be fifteenth after Carson Wentz this week. 
I I just think that he's not a layup. He just he hasn't earned that. He hasn't been good enough this year. We're getting nothing from Brandon Cooks. Uh, he gets nothing in the passing game from Todd Gurley, and Tyler Higby is uh, another guy we should talk about here if if I can transition because that is someone that maybe should be a top waiver wire priority. Um, Tyler Higby's thirty eight percent owned, Chris, and he he's got two straight hundred yard games, both against really bad teams against tight ends, Arizona and Seattle, but Dallas has struggled a little bit lately. So, um, Higby, thoughts? As long as Gerald Everett's out, Tyler Higby's going to be a useful fantasy option at tight end. Just like when Tyler Higby was out earlier in the season, Gerald Everett was a useful fantasy option at tight end. I don't think there's an appreciable difference um, in talent or playmaking ability between those two guys. I think it just comes down to the fact that when they're both healthy, they're splitting work. And when they're not, there are targets available. I think they're up to 110 targets to tight ends this season or right around there. I think they had 84 last season. So there's just, there's a lot more work for the tight ends. And when it's only one person getting it, there is the opportunity for them to, to be a useful fantasy option. So yeah, I think Tyler Higby, there's actually a lot of good tight end options uh, on waivers this week, but Tyler Higby is definitely among them. Tight ends. Amazing. <laughs> it's so good now. I mean, yeah, like Noah Fant is still pretty widely available. He's going to be, I think, one of the top waiver wire options this week. He's 50% available. Uh, Ian Thompson, as long as Greg Olson's out. Thomas, Hayden yeah. Hurst, if Mark Andrews does have to sit out this Thursday's game. Yeah, uh, I got burned by Ryan Griffin, though. That was that was disappointing. Yeah, you got hurt. Yeah. Will, it sounded like you did really want to hurt me today. <laughs> no, I never want to hurt you, guys. I just bring a little passion, a little energy. Yeah, I got Didn't it. realize Jared Goff had scored that few fantasy points. Felt like he had a great game. He did. He did have a great game, but he, you know, he scored 19 fantasy points. It was surprising. Uh, thanks to Will and Chris. Thanks to Dr. Chow. Thanks to all of you for listening. Waiver Wire tomorrow. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.